Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Craig Bowlerjack coming up here momentarily. Uh, but, Gordon, we have some programming news. Um, at 5.30, where we normally do drop of the day, we'll have to push the Carmelone tag stuff to another time because due to some crack producing, Austin Horton just confirmed at 5.30 we're going to interview the guy that delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan. Yes, I am looking forward to this, uh, and we'll see what he has to say. But I think he wants to set the, the whole story straight. And uh, it, it's interesting how the ball got rolling on this today, but uh, it did. And now we're going to talk to the guy at, uh, at 530. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to get to that side of the story. Well, uh, we need, we definitely need more information than what uh, what we saw last night. I thought what Chris Mannix said really <laughs> made me laugh. That uh, uh, the whole scenario seems like it's something out of a bad comedy, you know. But uh, now we'll hear uh, this version of the truth. So don't want to miss this. This is a talker. This is something that you can sit down when you eat tonight with your loved ones. If you're able to do that, you've got a story to tell. You want to hear what the uh, pizza delivery person has to say about what really took place. What what I'm 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 tweeting out a a, um, a, a tweet to bring publicity. What what can we call this? Poison Gate. <laughs> Hashtag Poison Pizza. Poison Pizza. Yeah. Gate. Well. All right. Well, anyway, sending that out. So at 5.30, we get to the bottom of it. We've tracked down the uh, pizza delivery man that uh, uh, delivered Michael Jordan's pizza before Game 5 of the 1997 uh, NBA NBA Finals. Excuse me. And we'll let you know whether, you know, we had a whole entourage with him or not. Uh, We'll maybe find out what kind of pizza it was that Jordan prefers. And maybe we'll find out just the right amount of poison to put on that pizza <laughs> so the, your, your victim breaks out in a sweat but uh, doesn't suffer any lasting harm, uh, just enough to make him look like a hero in his effort on the floor. Okay. So. We get to the bottom of it at 530. I'm I'm actually really really excited to get that side of the story all right let's uh let's get out to the sprint special guest line sprint they make it safe and easy to get what you need online visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability joining us now the television voice of the utah jazz the one and only craig bowler jack hello bowler gentlemen i'll take uh pepperoni extra cheese and big <laughs> crust we're gonna find okay. out next bowler we're gonna find out at 5 30 did you get my order? I wasn't sure. Did you get it? We got gotcha. you. We got gotcha. yeah. you, you. You know what? Uh, here, here's what I'm so intrigued about is, you know, last night, Urban Legend is amazing of this series because there were so many side stories. You guys both agree, I know. Uh, but this one is so intriguing because I hope he can answer the time, the actual time this happened. I believe it was quoted last night around, what, 2 a.m.? that he just was hungry, got the munchies. Does that mean 
that he got back from Vegas and had that what we all know as the munchies. Mm-hmm. And the pizza then was delivered in the wee hours of the morning. The only place, by the way, that was open allegedly in Salt Lake City. But, you know, I've heard from other people that, you know, again, the urban legend runs deep that it was a, 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 a Learjet trip down to Vegas and back. And then the pizza now comes into play. And, of course, there's those who uh, were seen on television last night who made that. They didn't mention anything about Vegas, but also the fact that it was very late in the morning that MJ just had to have pizza. I th- it's intriguing. We'll see what he says. I'll be, I'll be tuning in for sure. Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> Baller, on a scale from zero to ten, where do you put the reliability of what we heard last night? You know, it's all playing into mostly Michael's favor. Um, you know, I, I said I saw all ten hours. Uh, I took notes and I tried to be fair, but you know, I found out what I kind of thought I knew. And again, it kind of goes back to when I went back with Sloan and Stockton and and Jordan's induction ceremony, and I was just stunned to hear the less than thank yous of to the people who got him to the plat, you know, to, to the stage and the greatness, obviously that he accomplished, but you know, a, a tough teammate, one would say, if you're a Jordan fan, that he would motivate you to be only better, but also belittled many. And also I found that he would find like what I think Westbrook does this as well, but uh, obviously Westbrook isn't on the level of what Michael Jordan was, but he had to find something to anger him 24-7 to motivate him in, in, in constant motion, right? I mean, that was really obvious, whether it was a, an opponent, a coach, uh, a general manager, uh, whether it was a pizza delivery guy. I mean, I, it, it didn't matter. He just found things to anger him to prove people wrong. And I also found out you know, more than I thought that he wanted to own you. When Will Produce said, what are you doing up here playing dollar blackjack? Because I want to own your money. I want to own you. I thought, wow, that's really revealing. Uh, and I guess that's how one individual became great, the greatest. You can argue that all you want. I wonder if he was always that way, Bowler, or if he became more that way once he – established himself as the best. You know, Gordo and Jake, when you look back at the first hour and see this pretty humble kid, right, from North Carolina, uh, I don't know. That's really a great question. The the pressure that was put on him to be the the guy to change the Chicago Bulls franchise had to be immense. And remember, this is all before social media. Uh, You know, and they made a point of that last night. This is all before... People could write about him except in the newspaper and see the highlights. I think when I was working at KSL, anytime the Bulls played, it was like they played no one. It was all just Jordan highlights with spectacular dunks and the high-flying buckets at the rim. By the way, uh, the Bulls won tonight, or the Bulls lost, but Jordan had 42. I mean, it was kind of the, the whole thing Sports Center was built upon, in my opinion. And Ahmad Rashad, uh, you know, I've met him several times, interviewed him during the 97 and 98 finals. But as you saw, he was Mike's guy in the media. And, uh, you know, that crosses the line for me. Um, but 
again, he had the insight for NBC and really, uh, you know, had a direct channel guys to what who MJ wanted, how he viewed things. And there were a lot of people around him within that uh, Bulls locker room. You know, he had kind of his own little private office from what I could see where he would uh, meditate and discuss things with people that he trusted. But it was a very, very small inner circle um, by all means. And I think players probably had difficulties with him, and he called them out. And either you were able, if you were strong enough to handle it, you stayed. If not, you moved on. But I thought it was um, interesting. It did hurt last night to review and relive some of those uh, games that were really hard fought, guys. I mean, the Jazz were in all those except the one. Uh, when they got, what, scored all of 54. But then Malone came back and had a monster game to push it back to Salt Lake City for game six. But intriguing 10 hours of one individual and uh, an interesting journey, to say the least. What do you think about how the Jazz were portrayed through it all? You know, I thought it would be a little bit more detailed. Guys, what did you think? I mean, there was no Malone except him walking on the bus at the end and congratulating Jordan, which I have never seen that video, by the way. I don't know who shot it. It must have been the last dance crew, for all I know. Uh, But we weren't, uh, at that time, had any idea what Carl was doing. Uh, But I thought that was pure class on his part. Had to hurt like hell. But um, it it, it showed, you know, I think the respect, but also the class that Carl had for the game. Stockton interview didn't go as deep as I thought it could have. And I'm sure there was a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor. And I would have loved to have seen B. Russ interviewed about the uh, the push-off. Look, you can look at it all the way. Costas disagreed that he was already on his way down, the momentum shift. But, you know, there was a hand on the, on the hip that helped uh, Russell to the floor, and space was created. So you, you can call it any way you like. That's going to be argued for eons whether or not there was a push-off or not. Um, but I thought, you know, there would be more Sloan. I was glad to see Jerry speak, um, as we all remember him. I thought the co- the comedic moment was when he said, is that really the, the, the final box score? Is this the final score? You know, <laughs> but that was so typical Sloan, right? Uh, you knew He knew it was what the final score was, but it was a way for him to kind of maybe take the heat off his players and kind of make it a little bit more – uh, at ease, but those are the videos that I love seeing as Jerry, uh, as the head coach of the Jazz, and uh, I didn't think they gave the Jazz enough. I, d- I didn't hear enough sound, uh, a lot of emotions of the, of the entire series, which were two of the highest rated NBA Finals of all time. And um, but again, it was Jordan Show, right? So I guess I shouldn't have expected much more. As I uh, as they were reviewing that series, Bowler, I you and I were at every one of those games, and uh, here and in Chicago, and it really brought back. It was it's almost surreal, isn't it? Uh, it is. Living it the way we did, and as I was uh, watching that, the games, like you mentioned, were all close except for the blowout, which was the worst Jazz game I think I've ever seen. But all the others were within a handful of points. Yeah, all the others were, yeah. All, yeah, all of them were in the 80s, which makes the, the, the superstar scoring total that much more impressive. Uh, Jordan getting more than half of his team's points in that game six. But I think the difference in the game was leadership, uh, was the confidence of the leader, uh, Jordan 
outperformed Malone and Stockton down the stretch. Because when you're if you're that close to the opponent, you're good enough to beat them if you come through when you have to. And Jordan did, and the Jazz didn't. Uh, that stood out rather profoundly to me. You know, that's an interesting comment, Gordo, because also, and Jake, what this video crew was able to get, and remember, these archives have been sitting around uh, Bristol, Connecticut for, what, 20-plus years, and they finally get the permission to bring them out. But, you know, you could see and what Steve Kerr said on that game-winning shot that he hit because he told him, look, they've run this play a thousand times. They're going to come over and double me and I'm going to kick it to you, and Kerr hits it, which was a gutty shot, by the way. I mean, it could have easily been missed. But those moments that he could trust teammates, and there were just a handful that he really, I think, could, and he praised Steve Kerr quite a bit from that point on. But also when he stole the ball from Carl, you made it, he made it very clear that Malone just forgot about him, right? And the technical part of, of Jordan's game, fascinated me. He knew every tendency of every opponent. And uh, he would battle and attack your weakness. And on that steal that he got from Carl, I think it was well documented and said by him on what he expected and knew Carl was going to do. And what did he do? Poked it away. And it's just those one or two moments in a game, as we all know, that changes the entire focus and course of the outcome. And Jordan, strangely, was involved in every one. And I don't know if that's the greatness, the intelligence, the way he studied his opponent, uh, the motivation, um, the love and hate relationships. But, man, it it still did tell me, in my opinion, that the guy first is an assassin. He takes no prisoners, but also he studies his victim. And he does it very well. Craig Bowler-Jack is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Switching gears a little bit, Bowler, to the big jazz news today. A couple of pieces of jazz news, actually, but let's start with uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. He's going to have uh, season-ending surgery on his right wrist, so whatever the conclusion to the NBA season looks like, uh, Boyan not going to be a part of it. Yeah, we were on a Zoom call earlier, and I do appreciate the jazz in- including us into, into this information because it kind of gave us some insight. Uh, he'll be uh, have the the, the uh, wrist repaired tomorrow in New York, and you know this is something that kind of went under the radar. I mean, we we kind of knew Boyan was uh, hurt earlier in the season. We remember the ankle in the home opener, right? Then he sent out the Laker game, and he wasn't ha- wasn't happy. I want Jazz fans to know something. This guy is tough. This guy played through a lot of pain throughout the entire season until obviously Oklahoma City on, on March 11th. But uh, it was something that it hampered him. But you know what's incredible? He still shot over, what, nearly 42% from downtown, even with a bad, a bad right hand, a bad wrist. So, you know, we all wish him well. And if Utah does actually play or the NBA gets back to play uh, and the Jazz would be a four seed, uh, then Bogey would not be there. But the beautiful thing is, once they resume play, hopefully by the end of the year, he's had enough rehab time and he'll be ready to go uh, for a new season in twenty one um, or twenty twenty one. But uh, yeah, I've learned a lot about Bogdanovich. Uh, he's a tough guy, and he doesn't let on much about pain, and I, I respect him for that. Uh, and he's probably, I'm guessing, because of the situation in New York. 
you know, they, they shut down any type of elective surgery such a long time because hospital beds were in need and now they've got an opportunity to get this thing fixed uh is that is that why the timing of the uh, surgery is happening now uh, because of that or is it something that could have been taken care of earlier you know gordo they didn't the, the jazz didn't really focus on that that's totally my guess but you know elective surgery around the country has kind of been put on hold uh, up until, you know, the COVID-19 has been kind of at least handled in most cases. New York, as you know, I mean, was hit so, so hard. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the procedure is in New York City, so they must have given them a green light. That's just me talking. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the right doctor who's going to do it uh, will will perform the surgery and they'll give us an update on his uh, progress tomorrow. I don't think there's really any timetable on his return which is pretty much protocol for the Jazz. Uh, let him heal, let him mend, and then let him rehab, and then hopefully he'll just be uh, as you know good as new without pain and uh, gets back on the floor when we start up uh, a new season. But when is that going to be? We don't know. Uh, so he's got time, obviously, to do some uh, you know some rehab and uh, and to, to heal up the way that I'm sure he wants to be. And then, of course, the other news is Walt Perrin uh, reportedly you know, is uh, be head, heading to New York. And I love Walt. I mean, he's been such an impact on this franchise for such a long time. He's got a great eye. He's found some terrific players uh, in his tenure with the Jazz, and uh, we're going to miss him for sure. Craig Bullerjack is with us here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Uh, you, we saw some news. Tony Jones reported it that the Jazz are not going to replace Walt with one particular person, but they're going to have uh, multiple in-house people replace the production uh, or replace what he was doing. But can you know, knowing Walt and watching him for years, can you talk about what just a big job that really is? Oh, huge undertaking. Travels the world. Uh, I mean, he's eyeballing every talent that you can imagine that, that exists. And that's his job is to turn over the per, proverbial stone, you know, to find the talent that would fit this system. And, you know, Walt was a guy that would always come by, shoot around or practice, and just as friendly as could be, always had something positive to say. And I think he really had a great relationship with those players that he found and brought in. He worked out. You know, the Jazz probably work out more players than most teams in the NBA, at least under Quinn's watch and Dennis and Quinn combined, and now Justin Zanuck and David Morey. Uh, but uh, the Jazz almost, you would think, overdo it, but you can never blame them for not being prepared because they have multiple players that they think they can develop uh, or they're going to keep in mind down the road on who may be able to to help this franchise even if they go overseas and mature a couple of years they still have a you know they keep track of what they do and Walt was a big part of all they did I mean Dave Fredman's been with the Jazz since New Orleans and Walt Perrin those guys are synonymous on just uh, eyeballing great talent young talent maybe underdeveloped talent and hoping that they would that the Jazz could develop them which is what they do and take a lot of pride in too guys as you know one thing's for sure, uh, Bowler, and I said this to Jake earlier, Walt will never have to pay for another flight for the rest of his life, I don't think. You, I mean, he's probably got frequent flyer miles and oh. stacked up by miles. Oh, you know what? He could probably pilot the plane if he wants to. He's been <laughs> on it so much. Maybe he's been sitting in the jump seat. I don't know. 
No, Walt's put in, I mean, I can't even imagine, guys, the miles that he has flown this world. He's probably traveled this thing, you know, into the 30 or 40 times around uh, the globe. But he's been everywhere, you know, to see players. And, you know, it's always that ability. Can you find that guy that nobody else knows? And I think New York is going to be – it's going to be a tough road for him in New York, but I think they're in good hands in the rebuild because that thing has been a disaster, as we know, for years and years and years. And maybe this is the time that, uh, you know, the Knicks can find their way back. Some say no with Dolan, but, you know, if he stays out of it, Walt and the rest and the, the, the new way they're thinking there, maybe New York puts themselves back on the map. But, you know, I wish him well. He's a class guy and uh, flew with him a few times on flights yeah, uh, I've just never seen a, a more personable individual, and uh, it's it's a big loss for Utah. Bowler, thank you for jumping on as always, and uh, I'm sure you're going to tune in uh, and yeah, find pizza, out, man. get to the bottom is of the pizza he, game. Is he going to identify himself, Jake, or is this kind of anonymous? I I think he is. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll I find think out. That was the that was the impression we got that he was going to give up all the goods. And Bowler here probably explain exactly what kind of pizza it was. You were wondering whether it was the pepperoni with extra cheese. Maybe it was a bad sausage. Maybe it was a bad mushroom. I mean, maybe the cheese had been sitting out for a while. Ask him, though, if he had any indication that they had just gotten back from some sort of a, a trip. And, 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 and just to see if he had any inkling this was like we just got back and we got the munchies. I'm just, I'm going to tune in here in six minutes, and I'm anxious to hear 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 his whole story. Also, did you not hear last night that allegedly five or six individuals traveled or made the trek to the room with him? I wonder if that's true or not. We'll get to the bottom that, of it coming up next. That, that just seems highly unlikely, I, but we I will find agree. out. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Okay, guys, say thanks. See you soon. Thanks, Bowler. Craig Bowlerjack, television voice of the Utah Jazz. That's right. Coming up next, we will talk to the person who delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan before Game 5 of the NBA Finals in 1997. We get all the answers next, Gordon. I'm, I'm all ears, man. I can't wait. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Going to get to the bottom of the big pizza poison gate uh, coming up here momentarily, Gordon. We're going to talk to the person that delivered that pizza to Michael Jordan the night before Game 5 of the 97 NBA Finals. Well, uh, yeah, I'm eager to find out. He says he is, and uh, so I want to find out more information about it, and uh, then we'll go from there. All right. Uh, we want to remind you about our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now is Craig Fight with us here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Craig, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? 
I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we are doing great. And uh, in lining up you coming on the show with us today, uh, you've told us that you, in fact, were the person that delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan that night in 1997. Tell us your story. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, we obviously won't uh, name the company that I was working for, but I, you know, I hear about the late night stuff and it was two o'clock in the morning, all those kind of things. It was towards the evening uh, that we got a call and our delivery guys were, uh, everybody up in Park City was aware of where the bulls were. They'd already been up there for, what, three or four days. So when you're working in the restaurant business up there, you, you obviously you know what's going on. When something big like that's going on, you know who where they're at. So we went ahead and the guy all of a sudden motioned me over because he knew I was the only Bulls fan in the, in the store. I had bets, wagers, I should say, uh, <laughs> with everybody in the store on it. And so uh, when he comes over and he goes, hey, I, I think it's the Bulls. And he goes, I, I don't know why, but if I heard so-and-so correct, and I can't remember who he was speaking with, but someone that worked with the Marriott, he goes, it, it, it might be you know, one of the players. Okay, good. I said, you know what, I, I had just started there about three or four weeks early. I'd been hired as an assistant manager. And I, I go, oh, well, I'm delivering it. In fact, I may have been the manager on duty. I shouldn't have left the store. I don't know. I could have gotten trouble for that. But I was like, hey, I will make the pizza. And I remember saying this, I'll make the pizza because I don't want any of you doing anything to it. And I said, and then, and then I told the driver, I said, you're going to take me there. It'll be my first delivery. And I was like, oh. So I go ahead and I make the pizza. And for everybody's, everyone's wondering what he ate. And I've been telling this to everybody. It was a large, thin and crispy extra pepperoni pizza. So uh, I went ahead, I made the pizza, and uh, in fact, I kind of geeked out a little bit watching. I was making sure that it didn't, you know, it didn't puff up. It was a good pizza because, of course, it's for Michael. So I've got to, I had no idea at the time it was for Michael, but I had to, you know, you assume it's for someone up there. And so I went ahead and we made the pizza and cooked it and got in there. And so we went ahead and, and hopped in with the driver and we head over to where they were staying. Everybody knows they were staying at the base of, in Park City at the Main Street, down where the Marriott had just been built. It wasn't too uh, too old at that time. So from there, uh, you have to go in through security. And so the, and I'll be nice since I'm on the radio, since the, the crap story that the guy said that there were five people, there was two of us, and, and I didn't even have that many people working at the time at the store, but there was only two of us. You had police car, if I remember correctly, being parked in there, and you had to identify yourself. We're dressed in all of our uniforms. Both of us are in uniform, and it's clear where we're coming from. Walk in, security guy looks at us, says, great, go ahead, going in. So I go ahead, and, and obviously the pizza has basically never left me. It's been around me the whole time. And so we get into there, and as soon as you walk into the room or into the building, you could start to smell the uh, cigar smoke. And we get in onto the uh, uh, elevator and go up. To, it was on the second or third floor. I think it was the second floor. Anyway, we get up there, and boy, as soon as that door opened, I mean, it felt like you know, got punched in the face with cigar smoke. But there were there were guys wandering around, and one of the players, I want to say it was one of the players, and forgive me, guys, this was quite a few years ago, but I remember one of the players saying, oh, hey, pizza. And they, who's that for? And I said, I don't know, it's room, and, and I can't remember the room number, but I said, it's room this, and they went, oh, for Mike, oh, leave it alone. And then they, you know, they walk on, and thanks, man, or whatever. So we go over, and I knock on the door, and then this great guy who, who's been saying all this crap lately. I'm sure he's a good guy. But anyway, he, he answers the door, barely opens up the door and looks out and said, and I said, hey, identify the company I was with and here's the pizza delivery. And uh, 
he goes, okay, hold on. And then he shuts the door. And then he goes ahead, and from there he, you know, he obviously got some money. And I forget, the, the, the pizza cost like 15 bucks or something like that. And he opens up the door. He kind of hands me 20. This time he opens the door up a little bit more, and I can hear some commotion going in there. And he hands me the 20 and made a gesture to me. He said, you know, you obviously keep the change or whatever. And I'm handing him the pizza, and I said, hey, can I at least say hi to Mike? You know, why not? It's my one shot, right? And uh, the door kind of opens up a little bit more. Mike's in the room sitting at the chair. He's playing cards or whatever and uh, raises his hand. He said, thanks, man. And then the guy looked at me and shut the door, and that's the extent of the whole story. I, of course, go back, and everyone's giving me, uh, you know, oh, hey, way to go, whatever. And did you see him? And, you know, tell the story from there. And then the next day I, I had the day off because the game, because that was, if I remember correctly, it was a Tuesday night, I think. And then they played Wednesday night, if I remember right. And so I had that night off because I was going to watch the game. And, of course, Bob Costas comes up and says that he got food poisoning from pizza or whatever. So I was – I said some colorful words. And, of course, you, you know, the the funny thing about this whole scenario is uh, uh, my son's named after Michael Jordan. So it's kind of funny. But anyway, so that's the basic story of what happened. So – a couple things. Can you tell us uh, what time? Do you remember specifically what time this delivery was made? I, I the whole thing. My wife had to kind of remind me, but it was in. It was towards ten o'clock, ten thirty, because we were the only. There's only at that time. There's only a couple of companies that were still open okay. that delivered pizza, and okay. so we were we were open till. So we didn't. We weren't open later than normal for them for any reason. So. It was before 11, but I want to say it was just after around or after 10 o'clock. Because I remember it okay. being towards the end of the shift, and I didn't mind leaving. Okay, so, and you made the pizza yourself? Oh, yeah. I was. It was kind of a running joke, because I said, hey, let me wash my hands. I'm going to make this pizza, because I wasn't on the table. And then, so then after that, for months after that, while I was working there still, everyone's like, well, whatever you do, don't wash your hands. You get someone sick. So it was kind of a running gag. So, so okay, so the, and there was no indication for any of the ingredients that you put on that pizza that there was anything tainted, poisoned, uh, bad in any way, shape, no. or form? No. Well, I would tell you this. We, we obviously delivered lots of, not lots of pizzas, but enough up in Park City at that time frame because there were lots of people still up there. And so we delivered more than enough pizzas. And, of course, when this whole thing happened, I got called by the district manager saying, okay, if one guy got sick, how many others are we going to have to deal with? Uh, and nobody, there were no other reports. Nobody else got sick. In fact, later on, a few years later, I had talked to a few people that had gotten pizza that night, too, and who knows how much truth in it, but they're like, no, it was fine. Plus, it's a thin, and crust, thin crisp pepperoni pizza. It, it's tough to get food poisoning off a of pizza unless, you, unless, of course, obviously you add something to it, but that didn't happen because it sure as heck didn't leave my hands. Could you tell us the name? I know you're hesitant to do it, but can you tell us the name of the company we're working for? Uh, well, I, I hesitate just because I don't know what. I have no problem telling it. I told everybody. I, I, it was Pizza Hut. Hmm. They had their own store up there. And it was so in, when he the acts store, like the store small. was the store was in Park City. Yeah, the, it's it's moved. It, it had its own place over right beside the high school, and then they it's torn down now. They they've had a delivery only place now, but. Yeah, they had their own, we had our own uh, dine-in store at the time. It's right across from a 7-Eleven there. 
You know, Craig, and Craig Fight is with us who uh, delivered that pizza to Michael Jordan before Game 5 of uh, the 97 NBA Finals. You know, one of the rumors out there is that uh, Michael actually went on the Learjet to Vegas and uh, was partying, uh, parter, partying, and that is the reason that he was uh, under the weather the next day. And uh, just to kind of dispel that, you guys don't uh, or didn't at the time deliver pizzas to Las Vegas, right? He was, in fact, in Park City. <laughs> No, I didn't have any. Uh, I didn't have any any connections to Las Vegas at the time, and I'm pretty dang sure that was him that waved and said thanks, man, to me. Okay, so when and, when you hear these stories <laughs> from the trainer, who this I have a quote here from him, not from last night's show, but uh, we quote 100 percent it was food poisoning. 100 percent, he said. To well, that, yeah, I, say, I, that's a bunch of crap. Uh, well. You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, great. Did you get it diagnosed? Did you go to the doctor and find out? No, all this is innuendo on their part. And they're like, of course it was food poisoning. But he'd already been, as everyone knows, I, when I, what I, one thing I remind everybody is he was smoking so many cigars. They had windows open. He didn't have a shirt on or he's in a tank top or whatever. All the guys were. They, but as you guys know darn good and well, at around 3 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Park City, the sun's gone behind that mountain. So it gets colder up there than it does I don't know what the temperature was, but chances are he had this, or they could have brought him food from somewhere else if it really was food poisoning. But that pizza was made well. I followed all the rules. Heck, I was at the time. I was so busy trying to impress to become the store manager there. I, you know, I followed all the rules and all the food handlers' permits, all that kind of crap, or not permits, but the the teachings, if you will. So anyway, yeah, I, I'm 100% certain it wasn't food poisoning, or it sure as heck wasn't that pizza. You still a Bulls fan, Craig? What's that? Are you still a Bulls fan? But no, I was a Jordan fan. The Bulls. Well, Jerry Krause really kind of pissed me off when he dumped the whole thing and did what he did with the Bulls. So uh, I actually uh, had worked a little bit for the Jazz for Larry Miller when they had the Pro Image for a few years there. So I've always been kind of a Jazz fan as well. So that was kind of a fun. Uh, both of those championships are fun, but. No, it ended up being more. I was a Bulls fan with Michael and Scotty and, and Dennis and all those guys in the horse before, but you know, now I'm more of a Jazz fan than anything. Craig, uh, what uh, can you tell us uh, something about yourself? Where, do, where, what, what business are you in now? Oh, now, uh, well, we we used to own a property management company up in Park City. Uh, I, we started that after uh, this whole pizza debacle, <laughs> Pizza Gate, is whatever people are calling it. But for many years we did that, and then, uh, you know, we made some pretty good money. We were able to get out of that. And then so right now, heck, I, I work uh, as a, uh, a supervisor over at Dick Sporting Goods now up in Midvale. Awesome. Well, Craig, hey, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so glad that we tracked you down and we got to the bottom of this thing, my man. Yeah, I'd, I'd love for it to be super exciting to have some great thing, but sorry, we weren't five creepy-looking guys that were <laughs> that the guy felt, you know— threatened by or whatever and he didn't feel I don't know I guess you got to sell your book you got to do what you got to do but it really wasn't all that exciting but that's what happened so there were two of you who delivered yeah there was two and I God God forgive me I cannot remember the driver I was with I I don't know I can't remember who it was that I was with but I don't remember him being you know he's just a part-time worker their driver but he happened to be there that night I just unfortunately hopefully he comes out and says something but I can't remember his name and you had no reports of any other cases of food poisoning from the pizzas you were delivering that night. Nope. And I tell you, as, as anybody up in Park City knows, they, 
Well, you have food problem up there for any of the restaurants. It gets real stressful real quick, and everybody hears about it because obviously, at the t- especially in the mid-'90s, it was still growing up there, and you don't want anything bad to happen. So nothing, not a, not a peep. Well, Craig, thanks for jumping on and clearing things up. <laughs> I hope that answers all the questions for people. They can, they know how they got my name. They can find out. I'd be happy to answer whatever I can. Awesome. Thanks, Craig. Stay well. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Craig Fight, uh, who delivered and made Gordon the pizza that is in question uh, that night in 1997. He was a, an assistant manager at the Pizza Hut in Park City. And took care of all of it himself, he says. Thin crust, extra pepperoni, and he was a Bulls fan, so he wanted to make sure it was a good pie. And there were not five people who showed up at Michael Jordan's door. There were two, and Craig even got a chance to poke in his uh, his head in the door and say hello. How about that? I don't know how Jordan, I, I don't I, you know, one of the things that stands out to me, as he's talking, he's, I don't know how Jordan could smoke cigars like that and then get out on the floor and play the way he did. Doesn't that strike you as being a little unusual? Um, no, not necessarily. I know you're probably not much of a cigar connoisseur, Gordon, but most of the time you don't inhale cigars when you smoke them. He said it was pretty thick in that room. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the, the cigar is still lit, and but you don't, you, like you puff it? Does that make any sense? I don't... I don't know why I should be explaining this, but you don't really take it into your lungs. You can't get poisoned from a cigar, can you? Uh, if you ate one, maybe. <laughs> what if All the right, previous folks. guest in that room had left uh, something dirty on the sheets or something? Yeah, right. You don't Who knows? know. You could have got sick from anything. Right. Well, I think we asked all the questions there. Hey, he he sounded pretty convincing he sa- he to sounded, me. Yeah, he sounded incredible. I, I used his name, used the details. Uh, I'm, told us I'm what pretty, story worked at. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty convinced. <laughs> well, there you have it. Somebody's lying, or he got sick in some other way. Well, yeah, but this guy's saying five guys showed up. Well, that's obviously not the case. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a that's a if if what Craig was telling us is true, that's a bold faced lie. Hmm. All right, I want to remind you again about our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at GetDivi.com. We'll have more big shows straight ahead. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. show gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone big thanks to craig fight for jumping on with us in the last segment he is uh the one who prepared and delivered the pizza to michael jordan that night in park city in 1997 before game five of the nba finals says uh that uh, michael uh, sick or whatever was not from that pizza gordon that uh sickness hangover Food poisoning even, but not from that particular pie. Nope. I, I texted Craig after the interview. He, he texted us and said, thanks for letting me oh, uh, speak and tell my side of the story. And I texted him back that during the interview, I turned to Lloyd and, and I said, this is the most fascinating mundane story in the history of stories. <laughs> the guy <laughs> delivered a pizza, pizza and every syllable he had to say was just hanging on it. It was incredible. And... 
Could you imagine that, just delivering a pizza, being excited about it? Like, that's a positive moment, and then all of a sudden the rest of the world is claiming that you poisoned the greatest basketball player of all time? Who you named your son after. Who you named your kid after. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Don't meet your heroes, guys. Right, seriously. They'll claim you poisoned them. <laughs> yeah, you know, some people, when they meet their heroes, they're like, you know, they get a picture or an autograph, or but not our boy Craig. He just poisons them. Just kidding. Mm. Actually, I, I, Craig said the opposite. I should make that very clear. We're joking. That, that yeah. We are joking. And then Craig was very excited. To, he put a little uh, extra tender, loving care in the preparation of that pizza, Gordon, and delivered it himself. Yeah, see, how often do you get the same guy who delivers it also made it? Yep. I mean, it's all right there. So, uh, I thin, mean. Thin crust, Gordon, extra pepperoni. That's how Mike likes his pizzas. I have not verified, Craig. I mean, I haven't, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, he, like I said, I mean, O.J. Simpson fooled me once, uh, told me, I thought he was telling me the whole truth and nothing but the truth, uh, but uh, but Craig sounded very believable, so. I thought Craig was pretty convincing. Uh, I really yeah. did. He included a lot of detail, but not, not uh Overly too much detail uh, that sounds fictional. You know, he did forget a couple of details that you would after, you know, 20 some odd years or whatever. It's been 20 years. I, I, I thought it was very credible. Thanks to Craig for, for weighing in. As far as I'm concerned, it was not that pizza. And another thing, and I asked him about this. <laughs> Case closed. Michael Jordan was not in Vegas. He was in that, he was in that hotel room. At what time was Craig telling us it was uh, 9 or 10, something like that? Unless he had just gotten back. Maybe he went down there for, you know, a 24-hour period or something. Well, there you go, Gordon. I, I like it. Hashtag journalism. Take that. Yeah. Well, we don't have two sources telling us, but we have, uh, it sounded like. Uh, we have the source. He was there. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, we have zero sources that you uh, uh, shacked up with Juice Newton for a time, but yet you insist that we believe that word <laughs> for no word. time did I say I shacked up with her. I said she taught me how to play polo. All right. And that you stayed in her condo as her invited guest. No, I did not stay as her invited guest. I happened to be staying in her condo. And I saw that it was her condo. I did not know it was her <laughs> condo beforehand, all right? And she did not invite me there. My wife and I stayed there one time. And again, on that story, we have zero sources, let alone two. Uh, it's absolutely true. So, anyway. Well, uh, thanks it's to Craig to, for coming it's, on. It's, it's, it's up to you to either believe or not to believe, all right? And I, I honestly, here's what I believe about uh, uh, Craig's story, because I, as much as I like joking about a jazz fan actually poisoning Michael Jordan because I think it's so ludicrous, it's hilarious, I think we can all get on board that a jazz fan did not intentionally poison Michael Jordan with a pizza before game number <laughs> which five. Is, which was definitely the implication last night. It was the implication, but that's ridiculous. I mean, think about that. That's ridiculous. It'd be one thing, like, I heard rumors about they'd, like a jazz fan would pull the fire alarm at the hotel or something like that. Like, okay, that's not poisoning somebody is a felony. <laughs> yeah. And that's what they said. Like, I told him, don't eat that pizza. But he did. How big of a fan are you, Jake? Huh? Are you willing? <laughs> are you willing to, to commit a felony if for your team? If it's not two to 20, then you're not fan enough. 
I always thought that was so funny that that was that was out there that a jazz fan would would poison Michael Jordan because it's just so it's just so ludicrous. And, and we find out that uh, that it it was indeed ludicrous. That's what Craig said. What? Are you buying That's it? Where, where's said. your credit? Are you buying it or no? Oh, I, I I have no reason to doubt what Craig said. I just don't absolutely know it for a fact. But I mean, it sounds credible. Like I said, All and right. the other the alternative story just uh, you talk about something that sounds like a whopper. The alternative is what sounds like a whopper. Some man. jazz fan pouring. Uh, you know, like raw chicken juice onto a pizza and sending it on over to my. <laughs> I said, but you know, five guys showed up and they were wearing trench coaches and probably nothing underneath. And, and snickering uh, at the uh, snicker, at the fact yeah. that they knew they were just about to poison Michael Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they all looked like Dick Dastardly, you know, with the curly mustache, and they were kind of carrying themselves like, like <laughs> the devil himself. Exactly. Exactly. Just, you know, it's just uh, it's so bizarre. Anyway. All right. We're going to well, get glad, that. I'm glad we got to the bottom of it. We're going to get that. Um, uh, we're going to get that uh, interview up at 1280thezone.com. So, folks, if you didn't have a chance to hear Craig come on the show, you can tune in and get his side of the story. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrap it up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, I got to tell you, it's been a very productive day here on The Big Show. Austin yeah. tracked down the dude who delivered the, the poison pizza, which we found out was not poisoned. In fact, uh, prepared with tender, loving care by an actual Bulls fan and delivered by him as well. And in fact, did you notice the chain of custody there, Gordon, where the, the pizza was not outside of his uh, personal... Uh, uh, view care. Thank you, Austin. It was not out of his care, not for one second. Well, it sounded convincing to me. I mean, I, I don't know all the details, but I I do know that that uh, that somebody's fibbing here. And uh, Craig sounded like he was uh, all over that thing. Gave us all the details we wanted, and uh, I I thought the pizza thing sounded far fetched to begin with. We all did. But well, I certainly don't think jazz fans are out there poisoning the opposing team. That I, was I the thought impl- that, that was, was the, that was the implication in the in the show. I, I thought that that was uh, a bit of a long shot, uh, but kind of hilarious to think about mm-hmm. that, yeah. that a jazz fan was like, OK, here's my opportunity. I can really have an impact. I'm going to poison <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> it turns out the guy's a Jordan fan. He's a fan. In fact, he wanted to make the pie because uh, he he wanted to, the experience. He wasn't even a delivery guy. He was the assistant manager. But was such a big fan. He wanted to see if he could get a glimpse. Pretty convincing, well, Gordon. I'm, there I'm, you have I'm it. pretty I convinced. Mean, that's the first I've heard of this guy going on the record. He said he'd talk to his friends, talk to people about it. But uh, I'd never heard that before. It, if I missed it, I missed it. But. It sounded uh, all good by me. How about a, a shout-out to our guy, Austin Horton, who's just like a bloodhound, isn't he? <laughs> like an absolute bloodhound. You hound. want the truth? Austin's going <laughs> to sniff it out. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> He's going to sniff it out. Located the delivery guy. Way to go, Austin. You can run, but you can't hide. Well done. Well mm-hmm. done. Facebook sees all. Oh. He's a stud and a half, that Austin Horton. He's a regular he bloodhound. got the scoop. 
The the episode aired last night, and bam, Austin has the delivery guy on the big show by 5.30 the next day. Jason Hare. Took him 20 years to make that documentary. Took me two hours. <laughs> bam! That's Woo. what we do. That's what we All do right. right here on the big show. But also, Mannix, Mannix was on today, and he was particularly good. Uh, Bowler was on today as well. He's always good. You can get all of those at uh, 1280thezone.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can download all of our great content, Gordon. And I'm a dead man. Why's that? Because I just spilled my drink all over the floor, all over my wife's rug. Oh, man. As long as it's not on the equipment, I'm cool. Isn't it your rug, too? It is, but... I think I'm in trouble. Well, are you? Who, oh, well. Who's going to clean it up? Well, I am. As soon as I get off the air, I'm going to do the best I can. But it's this real sticky juice, and I don't think it's going to be uh, particularly easy to uh, get out of the uh, area rug that I have here under my feet. I pulled the cord to the uh, to the headset, and it knocked that that glass right off the table. Jake, you would have laughed out loud. Well. Well, good luck with that, Gordo. Can you come up here and help me get this put, mess cleaned up? Put your up? back into it. Get a little elbow grease going. Get that done. What's the best way to clean an area rug that now has orange juice all over it? Well, you start with step one, put it in the garbage. <laughs> the rug? And then step two, go buy another rug. <laughs> yeah, that may be how it all turns out. All right, Gordo. I'll talk to you tomorrow, buddy. All right, man. See you. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.